Welcome to God is Open. I'm your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, we are going to be talking about the metaphysics of Origen and Augustine. And we're going to be actually referencing this book, The Influence of Origen on the Young Augustine, which talks about how Augustine, you know, Augustine doesn't like to quote his sources when he's talking about what other philosophers or whatever other theologians say, but it's uh, the book the premise is that uh, Augustine, he borrowed a lot of his themes and concepts from the writings of Origen, who is notably more Platonistic than even Ambrose, and Ambrose was Platonistic as well. But uh, we really see a lot of similarities in the metaphysics of Origen and Augustine. And to illustrate that, today we are going to be covering their conception of creation in Genesis. The first thing we need to do is orientate ourselves to what Platonistic theology actually believed. Like, uh, it's funny, all these Christians, they'll go back and they'll read all these early church writings and uh, they'll say, oh, I read all of uh, Augustine or I read Origen, I read these church fathers. And the funny thing is they just, they don't know what they're reading. They, they read the text and uh, it, they, they don't understand the mindset. And so... You read innocent sounding phrases and you just skip over them because you're just not in that mindset. It's like uh, I was in the country of Qatar or Qatar, however you want to pronounce it. And I, I stopped off in this uh, like a reverend hut thing or this uh, it, like a chaplain chaplain building with air conditioning, which, which is a good thing to have in Qatar. And uh, there was this uh, young soldier there, and he was reading Augustine's Confessions. And I'm sitting here thinking, does this kid, does, does he know what he's reading? He's reading like one of those hard copies. This is back when we still had hard copies of everything. He's reading one of these. And it's like, I don't, I don't think this kid knows what he's actually reading there. It's like, because in Confessions, you'll find weird phrases like, in my mind's eye, I saw this was the truth. And what he's talking about there is not, oh, I, I just thought about this, and, and this is the conclusion I came to. He's talking about uh, a metaphysical introspective ascent to the one, where he's using introspective meditation to come to truths about God and to know know the nature of reality. Th this, is, this is a Platonic ascent theology. And a lot of the phrases that he uses and, and the concepts that he talks about are Platonic, thoroughly Platonic in origin. And and you just, you don't know it. You read over it. You dismiss it. You, you don't think critically about it unless you're attuned to that mindset. You could read an entire work by Augustine and not understand what he's talking about. For example, his conversion. His conversion was to chastity. And why was that significant? Because he had a problem with his will. And the Neoplatonic thought was that you need to control your will so that you can ascend to the one. Because your base instincts are what draw you into the material world. So you have to rid yourself of those base instincts in order to ascend. So his conversion to chastity, and chastity is not a Christian value. His conversion to chastity was a Neoplatonic conversion so that he could ascend to the higher realms. This is what's going on in Augustine's Confessions, and people just don't know it because they, they're not in the mindset. They don't understand Neoplatonism, and so they, they read it with the wrong mindset. They, they, they can't pick up on what's being laid out. So the first thing we need to do is orientate ourselves again to this Neoplatonic thought, understand their system and their metaphysics. And so then we could read that in light of Augustine and Origen who affirmed this type of metaphysics. This is from the 
Rosicrucian Digest. I don't know how to say that. It's kind of like a weird religion, but they have all these little free digests on these these different thoughts, like uh, Thorfurik uh, mystery cults and and uh, Mithras mystery cults and Neoplatonism. Get the Neoplatonism one. One. These are all free, so just grab it. And they actually have a pretty decent summary. This is their paragraph about uh, Platonistic metaphysics. Plotinus's model includes three hypostases or fundamental levels of reality. The first and highest is the unknowable one, which emanates the next level called the nous, translated as divine mind or intelligence. The second level contains the platonic forms or ideas, which we can know intellectually. And so this level is also called the intelligible world. Then emanates the next lower level, psyche or soul, which animates the physical world and serves as an intermediary between the intelligible world and the material world we know with our physical senses. So in the Platonic worldview, there's these different levels of reality. The top level is the unchangeableness, the, the oneness, the pure simplicity. This is the God level. And from that, uh, it, there's a kind of like a divine introspection or retrospection, a reflection, which creates this, uh, spawns this next world. And it's the world of the unchanging, eternal, and uh, it, it, anything that changes from this world descends into that third level of existence. But the, the second world is the intelligible world. And the intelligible world was then mutable. It changed and became the world of our senses. So it further declined. Every, every time something corrupts, it declines farther away from the one. And so the goal of a good Platonist is to reascend to the one. In order, they, they untransverse the levels that their soul already descended. All, all human beings, all our souls are made up of a God substance. And the goal of everything is to return to the highest level of being that, that there possibly can. And uh, since we're in the realm of the soul... We need to ascend back to the intellectual realm, the unchanging realm of forms, the unchanging realm of this this timeless perfection. And then from there, you know, try to get back to the, the realm of the one, the unknowable, the eternally simple, and uh, the God realm. But Platonism is the ascent, and trying to return to the spiritual realm from the physical world. The physical world around us is decay. The physical world is things that change and things that break down. If you've ever heard any Christian ever say something like, you know what evil is? Evil is the absence of good. That's a Platonic notion. They, they think there's a level of existence that's good, and things that change is the evil. Things that change is the decay. This, this is uh, an Augustine quote that people just don't understand what they're actually talking about. When they quote him, Quote him, talking Platonism, that the material world is the change and we need to return back to the good, the realm of the good. That's that's the, the Augustinian idea. And we'll see this play out in this book that we will be referencing, The Influence of Origin on the Young Augustine. But with that in mind, how do, how do they take normal biblical phrases? And uh, we reference here Colossians 2.8. Let's read that. This is uh, Augustine, Augustine Amasha's Monica, and Monica was his mother. Therefore, the divine scripture that you ardently love does not ordain all that all philosophers are to be avoided and derided, but only philosophers of this world. And this is a quote of Colossians 2.8, both Augustine and uh, Origen took Colossians 2.8. Let's read it. 
says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to the Christ. And so what are you going to do if you are a Platonic Christian? You'll say, Oh, this verse is not about Platonic philosophy because Platonic philosophy is not the principles of this world. Platonic philosophy is is the philosophy of God. And so this verse definitely is not about Platonic philosophy. It's about all that other stuff. It's about Epicureanism and, and Stoicism, but not the godly Platonic idea. And, and that was how they read this verse. And, and in context of Colossians 2, he's definitely talking about Platonism. He's dealing with Platonists. And you, you read it definitely in, uh, you know, his admonition that people are trying to abstain from the pleasures of the world. And uh, he's like, no, you, you could eat, you could drink, you, all that stuff. You can do that stuff. He talks about shadows, which is most likely a reference to Plato. He talks about... Uh, these things don't subject yourself to regulations. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. Remember in, in Augustine, the whole point of his philosophy was to control his desires, control his base impulses so that he could ascend back to the more pure forms, ascend back into the realm of the good. The, Colossians 2 is the opposite of Platonic philosophy. But they, they try to read Platonism into Paul. So they'll take little phrases of his and read a new Platonic meaning into it. So continuing on with Augustine's quote, The fact, moreover, that another world exists which is hidden far away from the bodily eyes and which a few healthy minds behold is suffi sufficiently significant by Christ who does not say that my kingship is not of the world, but my kingship is not of this world. And so in a platonic mindset, when they read that phrase, what that means is that th this kingdom that we have here, this material world is, is not the end goal. The end goal is this higher state of being that uh, no man's really seen. It's, it's this intellectual realm. That's, that's where the real kingdom is. When they, when they come across this language, it's interpreted in the platonic light. Anyone who believes that all philosophy must be avoided wants no less of us than not to love wisdom. And here's the author of the book. A very close parallel of this idea can be found in Origen's commentary on St. John. And I'm going to read that for us because uh, it, it quotes a bunch of other verses as well. And every time they quote a verse, they take it in a platonic light. However, another world also exists outside the apparent and sensible world composed of heaven and earth or heavens and earth, where things exist that are unseen. 2 Corinthians 4.18 And this world is invisible in its whole, an unseen world, an intelligible world, whose vision and beauty the pure in heart will behold. Matthew 5.8 See how he's, he's taking these verses and he's reading into them his Platonic conceptions? This is the intellectual realm. This is the realm of uh, the nous, the nos, the, the mind, the intellect, the realm of the forms. Anytime he comes across a phrase that says something about a heavenly world or an unseen world, this in his mind is the Platonic second realm, the second uh, dissension from, from the one, you know, the first dissension, you know, the second level, but the first dissension. Consider nevertheless, if in a certain sense, the firstborn of all creation could be a world and mainly in so much as he is manifest wisdom, and see if it is possible that the one who says, I am not of this world, is Jesus' soul, which entirely dwells in that world, 
and pervades it while leading his disciples there. And so to origin, Jesus uh, entirely inhabited the realm of the noose, the realm of the intellect. And the Jesus figure on earth was just a guide to, for this uh, ascension to the nos, the intellectual realm. Jesus, in, in, in Platonism, in Christian Platonism, in Augustine, the purpose the reason why Christianity beat out Platonism in the end for Augustine was because Jesus served as the lotus, the focal point, the the thing that the divine spark that allowed people that that bridge to the realm of the nos, the realm of the intellect. That was the one thing that Platonism didn't have was that divine spark, the lotus image, the the Jesus avatar to guide the way. And this is how Jesus was viewed in the philosophy of Augustine. Reading this author, hinting at Colossians 2.8, Augustine makes a distinction between the philosophers and, accordingly, between two worlds. The reasoning is strongly Origenian, both in form and content. The two thinkers claim there is another world, which is intelligible, which cannot be reached by sensation, which only those who are pure can behold, which Christ speaks out about in St. John's Gospel, and finally, which is identical to divine wisdom itself. According to Augustine, the philosophy of the other world is not merely Platonism or Neoplatonism, but also Christianity. In addition, it is only the latter which is capable of calling sinful souls back to the intelligible world. Therefore, Christianity is considered the true or truest philosophy, which teaches the unity of the Trinity and the incarnation of the divine intellect. Note these concepts. Note these concepts. This is what Christianity offers additionally, in addition to Platonic metaphysics in the mind of Augustine, is this Christ figure to guide those to the realm of the intellect, the intelligible world. So what do you do with Genesis if uh, you're a Platonist Christian who believes in the various realms of existence? The one, unchangeable, eternal, simple, which descends into the realm of the intellect, the unchanging, the eternal, which from there descends into the realm of the soul, the changing, the material world. You have to reread Genesis in light of your metaphysics. And that's what Origen and Augustine do. And it, this, this, this is literally their theology. Their theology makes Genesis 1 into Platonic metaphysical descent in, from the intellectual realm to the physical realm. So let's read here. The firmament of heaven distinguishes the two realms of creation, the spiritual and visible things, origin, omnis, spiritualis, substantia, natria, invisibula, incorporea, Augustine, omnius, invisibilis, creatura, res invisibilis. I'm not going to read the Latin anymore, but he quotes them and he compares them, Origen and Augustine, to prove what he's saying here. And of the corporal visible ones, in contrast to the firmament of Genesis 1-6, which is taken to be corporal, the heaven of Genesis 1-1 is thus spiritual. So you got two different descents. You got the, the spiritual descent, and then you have the corporal descent, all combined in the Genesis narrative. The formless and invisible earth represents the formless matter. And he quotes Origen and Augustine. That wisdom, 11.8, also mentions God made the world out of formless matter. Since the term world refers to both the formed spiritual 
and the formed corporal creatures, one must say that every creature was made out of formless matter. So notice what's going on here. The, there's, a, there's the first descent in Genesis 1.1 in which the realm of the intellect is created. This is formless, invisible matter that can't be seen. Now Ambrose, who was uh, Augustine's mentor, he rejected this reading and interpretation by Origen, and he took uh, the reading of Basil, which that, that itself in Genesis 1 is more of a corporal creation and the intellectual creation is just, just not mentioned in the passage. But Augustine took Origen's views instead and incorporated that into his theology, in which two creations are described there. There's the creation of the intellectual realm, and then further on, there's the creation of the corporal world. And in Origen's theology, the, the intellectual realm is all the same substance. And so there's no difference between men and angels and women and and anything with this uh, soul substance. And the only real difference is when it descends into the realm of the physical, the realm of the material. And it's, it's based on the way that the thing descends and the way the thing moves. That's what gives it real distinction, which distinguishes it between men and angels and, and other beings. That, that, that is the distinction because in the realm of the intellect, Remember, that, that's a kind of a simple realm. That's the realm of the ideas, the realm of the forms. And so we are all the same substance. We are all the same matter. Moving on, what do you do with the creation of man in Platonic Christianity? You have to uh, make the creation of man being created in God's image. You have to apply that not to our physical bodies, not to our corporal existence, but to our soul states, which belong to the realm of the intellect. And that's exactly what Origen does. Let's read it. The Pauline concept of the inner man plays a determining role in Origen's understanding of Genesis 1.26. In the first homily on Genesis, the first heaven of Genesis 1.1 is taken to refer to the mind, which is characterized as our spiritual man. The counterpart of this spiritual man is the outer man, signified by the corporal firmament, who is fashioned from the soil of the earth, Genesis 2.7, in quotation 2. The inner man and the spiritual man represent one and the same being. The first heaven refers not only to the whole spiritual essence, but also to the inner man partaking in that essence. Accordingly, Genesis 1.26 narrates not only the creation of the inner man, but also that of every rational and spiritual being. In this respect, the term man is understood in a broad sense. It can be predicated of every spiritual creature, including even the angelic nature. This is the reason why, in the commentary on St. John's Gospel, Origen defends the view that the word man in Genesis 1.26 also stands for angels. The various denominations of the angelic orders pertain to the variety of their activities since their essence does not differ from that of man. Remember, in Origen, are the material world, the corporal world, is change. And so the only real difference between what we see and feel in the world around us is the different ways it changes. It's all of the same substance, ultimately. It's all the, the same substance that's descended from the intellectual realm. It just differs in movement. This paragraph really illustrates what we've already been talking about. Such terms and expressions used by origin as spirit, spiritual essence, and human mind as spirit refer to three aspects of the same spiritual reality. First, there exists the incorporeal creature subsisting in matter called spirit. Second, this creature represents the totality of spiritual essence. Third, 
Through the incorporeal mind, man inseparably belongs to the universal spiritual essence. Let's compare that to Augustine's theology. Stating that the inner man made in the image of God consists of reason and understanding, Augustine actually refers to the mind and its activities. For the mind manifests itself in the soul as twofold activity, ratio, reason, and intellitus, understanding. Reason is the motion of mind under the guidance of which man can connect and discern things. This motion is metaphorically called sight because mens is traditionally likened to the eye. Intellectus represents, according to this same metaphor, seeing, which comes into being from one who can see and who is seen, that is, who understands and who is understood. Yeah, I know this is getting long and complicated, but uh, this, this is a pretty critical passage right here. It is clear that the soul represents the inner man of Genesis 1.26. The invisible creature, including the soul, subsists in an incorporeal matter. That is to say, the soul is invisible, incorporeal, incorruptible, and immortal, but is not immutable. It is subject to change from time, from the great variety of its loves. It fell down, became wretched, and will be restored to happiness. Notice that. That's the descent right there. So the realm of the intellects is the invisible, the incorporeal. It is the incorruptible, the immortal, which then descends into the world through change because this thing wasn't immutable like like god is like like the one is the one is immutable but the realms of the form can change and this fit, change causes the descent into the corporal world that we see around us so this is how you have to take the bible anytime the bible says something you have to reinterpret in light of platonic metaphysics the creation of the world is a descent from the one. It's a descent into the intellectual world and then the descent into the realm of the carnal. And any ascensions or salvations has to be a reascent into this realm of the intellect. And everything in the Old Testament is read in figures and anthropomorphisms. And that idea is the same idea as the Gnostics. You need this spiritual enlightening in order to understand it. They, they believed that the, the enlightened ones, the ones who actually understood the things of the Spirit, were the only ones who had the keys to the text to understand the true meaning behind the Bible. It's a very special pleading way to read the Bible. Let's read this author say exactly that. The carnal believer, the little one in Christ, does not understand but simply believes what he reads. This man cannot ascend to contemplation of invisible spiritual things. Spirituals, however, understand the same text in its spiritual teachings. They are not misled by anthropomorphic expressions. Holding the right view of God and interpreting scripture spiritually, Augustine comes to the characteristic Originian conclusion that the spiritual believers are allowed to conceal the higher truth from the simpler ones and from pagans. Anyways, the main point of this podcast, I guess, is to start making us think in terms of Platonism when we're reading these early church fathers. These were their ideas of how the world worked. That there's this, these different realms of existence, and a good Christian tried to ascend back into the realm of the unchanging, or ascend back into the non-corporal world, the world of, of the spirits that are eternal, the, the realm of the forms, and ascend past this changeable corporal life. Uh, suppress your base desires, suppress anything that gives you pleasure, Deprive yourself of passions so you could ascend to the realm where there's there's no change. There's 
There's no desires. There's there's no no senses of self. Yeah, send back into the collective, you would say. This is their idea. So when you're reading their writings, and this is not the only facet that you need to be watching out for. Watch out for these platonic ascents that they're talking about. Watch out for their descriptions of God and who God is. Watch out uh, especially for these ideas of this uh, unchanging ascent salvation. This, this is what they believed and taught, which is very foreign to us. And it, it, we need we need to do best not to read them in light of our modern conceptions of how the world works, our modern conceptions of metaphysics, our modern conceptions of even reading Genesis uh, 1. It wasn't a Jewish conception that Augustine and Origen were reading. It was a specifically Greek mindset. This is, this is Greek metaphysics. This is a metaphysics that we don't see in the Bible and any of the writers of the Bible, even even people who claim Paul was influenced by Platonism. You don't see this type of metaphysics in Paul. We shouldn't be reading that into Paul. And it definitely wasn't in the Jewish mindset. And remember, up until, you know, 600 AD and even past then, uh, Christians were criticizing Jews for believing that God had a corporal body. They just didn't have this Greek mindset and where these metaphysical issues, the issues of the spiritual versus the physical was an actual real concern. They didn't care about those things because it wasn't in their mindset. It wasn't part of their metaphysical thought. Some interesting stuff there. If you get a chance, pick up this book, The Influence of Origin on the Young Augustine. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, put that in the comments down here. Or start a thread on our Facebook group, God is Open. Thank you for listening.